everybody to the Clear Tai Chi Mastermind Group Meeting on Friday, May 21st, 2021 is when we're recording this for you. And today's topic is about hung body space around you, specifically relating to elbow and shoulder position and some of the other aspects of body, upper body specifically at the moment, but body positioning around you. And um, like that with us today is me, your resident host and sponsor, and I'll just go through the list here. Um, Art Don in the D Washington, D.C. area. He'll tell you which part of Maryland. Hi, everyone. Art Don, Greenbelt, Maryland. That's about 10 or 12 miles east of Washington, D.C. Welcome. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, Chris Walsh in Maine. I'll let him tell you which part. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, in Hollowell, Maine, just outside of Augusta. Thank you, Sifu. Mark Mashad in Michigan, and I'll let him tell you what parts. Hi, I'm in the Midwest Michigan area covering Grand Rapids and Lansing. Welcome. And Harry Legg in Verona, New Jersey, outside of New York City. Hello, hello. And not too terribly far from Philadelphia either. So if you're uh, close enough, see me from there too. Thank you. The, uh, let's see here, Jim Kelly in Boca Raton, Florida, and there may be other parks there. Yeah, we're pretty centrally located down here, uh, halfway between Fort Lauderdale and West Palm Beach. So a lot, lot going on down here. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Sifu. Yes, sir. Uh, Philip Chan in Columbus, Georgia. Hello, all. Welcome. And Sheila Bell in um, Costa Rica. I'm gonna let her tell you what parts. Hey everybody, good to be here. Um, so I'm in the North Pacific area called Guanacaste of Costa Rica. And I give classes in Laveria, in Playa del Coco and in Playa Panama. Cool, welcome. Thank you. Ty Talbert in Colton, California, and he'll tell you the other areas right there. Hello, everyone. I'm in the Inland Empire, about 30 miles out of Los Angeles. I do classes in Colton, Redlands, and Riverside. You're starting to get your energy back. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, I can tell. Mm -hmm. And your power is back on, so that's good. Power was out the other day. Yes. How, long, how long was it out for? Till about 11 o'clock at night, for about four hours. Four hours. Fire or something else? I have no idea. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Uh, so I've got here first a word from our sponsor, Clear Tai Chi. Sung Pung Lu Ji On is a video we've got, and you can get that video at clearmartialarts.com. The other one is we will be talking about things through the program here that have to do with the levels of Tai Chi in terms of uh, that we cover in our Tai Chi roadmap. And for that, go to the Tai Chi Road to Tai Chi Roadmap.com. And so clearmartialarts.com for a video that has to do with Sung Pung Lu Jian. And for the roadmap, Tai Chi Roadmap.com. All right. <clears throat> so Pung and elbow position, etc. Pung is a full and expansive energy that most appropriately could be described in terms of quality of feel, relaxed 
but not collapsed. They say that because it's got a little rhyming thing to it, right? Relaxed, not collapsed. And the uh, it's expansive and full and yet relaxed. So the way that I would put that is if you're if you have water and you take your hand and you put it on the surface flat and you start to push down into it or you take a big object like something plastic that wants to really float and you push it down in it the water conforms to the bottom of that boat fully the water is full there's pressure and yet there is is some buoyancy for lack of a better way to put that buoyancy bounce and the energy is expansive in that if you had something filled up to the top, like if you had the bathtub filled up so it's level to the other side, nothing's spilling over, you push the boat down in there, or the boat's got any, like a, let's say it's a toy boat that's three feet by a foot across or 10 inches across, and it's got, you know, it weighs 10 pounds, even though it's made out of a material that will float, you set that in the water, water starts filling over the side of the bathtub. So it's so the water is expansive at that point, even though it's soft, and has this buoyancy that you can feel through the boat. Same thing if you floated a basketball in it, right? If you set one down in there or something, something like this. And so, uh, full and expansive, relaxed, not collapsed, and expanding, right? My favorite example of this to show folks for like how it works when we're using it with the internal push hands and that kind of things. I take a disposable plastic cup and two of them actually. And I take one of them and I fill it half full of water. So it's only half full, right? And so even if you took your finger down in there or a pen and you dipped it down in your water, it doesn't flow over the top except for whatever comes flying out because of your turbulence you're making. But you take the other cup that fits into that cup because of the same size and shape and meant to be stacked. And you take that cup and you put it inside of the one with the water and you push it down in there and the water comes up the sides. You feel the pressure coming back through the cup you're pushing down and that water flows out equally in every direction around the sides of the cup you're pushing down in there. And there's a, li a limit to what you can push down in there without at least getting all that water to come out. And even then it doesn't all come out and it fills equally the whole thing while any extra or any that you're getting pressure from that pressure, pressure on the cup you're pushing down in there, it's coming out on those sides equally. This is pump. And that's actually, if you look at the water doing that, it truly is like that. That's Peng Jing, right? But before you can get to Peng Jing, normally what you're gonna need to do is to study some things about Peng Li, and Peng Li being the, the physical aspect of Peng, um, and then Peng Qi, which is the energy, because the energy is like that water, as opposed to the physical shape is the, like the stick, and the and the brick and the you know the things that are very physical so then you've got that water inside or that chi in this case and then the next level being the mind and what the mind is doing to also be pung because the mind is what's dictating for example if you're holding a hold the ball hold the hold the big like hug the tree shape if you did it with just the physical, what you'll find is that it very easily collapses, that your mind has to also be doing this. And in Chinese medicine 101, first the mind or the E goes on the thing or does the thing. And then the Qi follows the mind. And then the physical follows that. And so uh, in terms of steps there, most people study Li first. You have to learn posture and shape and form. 
And then you learn how to get the energy into that shape and posture and form. And then your mind to do more and better and more of what you're trying to get it to do. And then once you've got all those things going on, then you can begin to get the actual gene going on. So it's like four steps out. Now, people are able to pick up on it some where they're really not skilled at the other levels, but that they meet or touch hands with someone who is skilled at the other levels, there is noticeable differences because of that skill level at the different levels. Um, because there's a lot more that you can that, to be done at chi level, at e mind level, and at jing level than just, hey, let's hold physically hold this shape. All right. Um, so I've got the water gushes up and around the sides with pressure. This soft and yet powerful pressure pressure reasonably represents Hung. Hung Li is the shape and is basic but important. Start with the hug the tree, hold the bowl posture. And, and, you, and then you're holding it out there. And if somebody were to push on you, they should feel the expansiveness that has sort of that softer towards water and that pressure off the water quality, not rigid and hard. You see people and they hold it out there and they go, this is Pong. And I go, not really. It's kind of strong, strong in a certain way. And it's rigid and it's tense, uh, but not Pong isn't like that, right? Because, because the, it needs a structure to work in or out of, but that structure itself is not Pong. It's the shape that you're going to use to get the Pong to go through. All right, are there any questions or thoughts or comments um, about any of that? Well, actually, see if we just have a question on with, with the Pong around, and I, I imagine it generally spherically around me, but also um, when I'm working on the surrounded by water, is that just sort of the Pong and imagining it or visualizing it as a different sort of entity or oh, so if we're swimming if you're laying down in the water if you lay back and you get to where you can float in the water why don't you sink like a rock because if you just kind of like splash around don't hold the shape you do sink right? right so how do you get what do you do what's it involved so that you actually float on top of that water and i don't mean swimming on top of that water i mean floating on top of that water well i have to be sort of relaxed and and just natural, I guess. Um, you know, keep air, and um, you know, I, I never really thought about it too much because it's 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 so natural when I'm, you know, floating. I just just sort of do it, but it you know, sort of extrapolating to um, the, the Tai Chi practice and the form I'm more aware of, keeping relaxed and and rounded and sort of um full body breathing so i aligned uh, in a certain kind of way I, yeah okay right and and and, and that um and again and the water and, pressure is keeping you up right okay so um and you feel that you're sunk into it a bit it's got it gives way some and yet you're still in there like that okay yeah, yeah. Does that, that kind of answer the question yeah and i i guess the, the way i'm taking it is that the yes pong sort of can relate to the um, swimming in air, sort of the heaviness around that 
the dense atmosphere? Is there sort of a correlation? That's my question. And yeah, well, that, that starts to become from Peng Jing, then you get into Peng Xin. And so it, it starts to go there where you're getting some of that. But if you don't have the others, you won't have that one normally. That doesn't mean somebody can't exceptionally have something going on um, that way. Uh, but typically, if you're doing it because of training, you have to have the other levels. The higher, the, to get the next level, you have to have all the like a lot of skill with the information that comes before that. Don't have to have every piece of information that okay. ever does for it. But you have to have skill with each level in order to get that next level really going on. Okay, and, so and maybe level that's another step out. It is one of the levels in Tai Chi, but it is another step out. And and by the way, if you have any questions like what do you mean by these levels and stuff go to the tai chi roadmap.com tai chi roadmap.com it has this information really broken down so you can get what we're talking about in depth yeah sorry and actually well this is to say maybe i don't really need to think exactly what, what what is it and how does it relate and more just be aware of what is around me and how how can i work with it and what sort of energy do I get from it and how does it how do I interact with it and how can I use it sort of as opposed to exactly what it is I mean just not not to overthink it I guess I'm yeah saying. with the thing when you're getting when you get it to at the physical level at the lead level it's basically being able to have the shape and have it going on and then filling it with the chi kind of the same thing with your e you begin to, to get to where you can manipulate that a good bit more and that kind of thing. And obviously you work in your form, you're getting movement with the Lee, but that really starts to become your mind, the first step or stage of your mind doing it. And then there's a lot more to do with that. Once you can do that and fully manipulate it, even if you're not moving, but <clears throat> adjust where and how much and how and, and when and, and other factors of that and applying it, then that's where you're really starting to get into the Peng Jing and not just Peng Li or Peng Chi. Okay. Very helpful. Thank you, Sifu. Uh -huh. Any, anybody else? So one of the things you can do with that, that you typically will find people doing when they're training Peng and have Peng information is that they test it. <clears throat> and so if the person's holding the shape, it's like take, you take your hands and you like push in and you go, does it collapse and give way? Or does it go, is it weak? So there's a lot of ways you can hold your arm, like just say it's too close to your body or too sharp of a bend in your elbow and you push the hand towards them and you're able to push easily push the hand just by laying your body weight like on them and it collapses and the, their hand will come all the way into their body. You know, this is if they're gonna stay, try to stay put. <clears throat> and so then there's a problem in the lead or the, the shape that they're holding for Pung at that point. That's why the collapse is there. And so it's where is the most structural strength and integrity brought to bear without having to do extra. <clears throat> in other words, if they're being reasonably relaxed, reasonably soft, where is the best strongest position in the shape so that when you're pushing into it and trying to test it and seeing if it'll break, that it doesn't. And you're not like shoving them you're really trying to like what lay weight on there and seeing if there's a break, like if it was a structural thing, is there a weak point where it collapses simply because you're putting weight on it, your body weight as a leaning towards them to press, right? The, uh, 
And so you can check by pushing it in, does it collapse? And if it does, then that's not a very good pung at the lead level. You can also check your ability to apply power through it. Is this the strongest position you can be in where it really holds that shape? And it, it ideally would have a little bit of springiness to it, um, expanding outward. So that springiness might be very slight and yet it's got some of that and it's going to hold that shape really well. Uh, think like an egg where if you turn it on the end, you can't break it. It's because that pung through there, because if you do it any number of other ways, the egg breaks easy, right? And so that's the pong aspect on the egg, even though an egg is hard, it's the strength of the shape through that positioning right there, that that's the way its integrity is meant to, to hold. And so that's the strength of the position. So if you can get that from the egg on every side, every, in every dimension, every side, every position, that would be a pong shape coming out of it. And so like a straight out ball for a lot of things has that going on, especially if it's one that's that's got that expansiveness to it, that the, that the circle, the, the ball, I should say, doesn't, the sphere does not collapse because it's being pushed on a little bit. <clears throat> right, questions, thoughts, answers? So one of the things uh, one of the things to know or to do there is, so one of the important questions you want to ask is, how is the power, when you're going to use Pong like this, how is that power being applied? What is it you're doing with it? So it should be in 360 as much as you, for proper Tai Chi, 360 as much as you can to begin with. So if I had somebody pushing on my arm from the front, and then I had somebody that came like behind the, the elbow and started pushing in, I shouldn't collapse on one of those positions because I've got good strength. Like the egg, you push on the one end, it's super strong. You go to the sides and do that, you'll just crunch right through the egg. Well, that, that would be not a good hung shape for a person, right? And so when you get that roundness going, is it, and that, that roundness that's expansive again, if it's out there bigger, if they were pushed up near my wrist, it shouldn't collapse. If they push in the middle of my forearm, it shouldn't collapse. If they push behind my elbow coming into me, it shouldn't collapse either. It should be holding throughout the shape and position, no matter the direction that they're pushing into and those kind of things. And so there's a body of work there to do to have that going on. The, uh, and so you have to, and so in your application of that, you have to go, is the power, how is this power being applied? Am I able to bring Pong really to bear in this way? Am I in the best position to do that? So that if you were the egg, you obviously would want the strong end to be what they're dealing with all the time. The, uh, is the pung shape in one direction? Is it in two directions or is it in all directions? And ideally proper pung, it's in every direction. A lot of people, they'll do Tai Chi and their emphasis is all what's like right in front of them or what's really obviously happening. And then you start going around them, even on the sides, uh, let alone the back. And it's not the same, you know, they don't have the integrity there. And then Tai Chi proper, it's a 360 degree all around you thing. So the shape becomes very important. And you see a lot of people doing shapes where the shapes are very linear in their orientation, which means Pung on the side aspects is probably being broken. And so it has to have a good bit more roundness so that that roundness goes through 
their whole body from whatever position that they're in all the way around in order to really be good pump, right? And then, and so the question you want to ask when you're looking at your posture is, am I in good pong in all directions or am I just in pong in some directions? And you're probably going to need a teacher to help you do that. Fortunately, in Clear Tai Chi, we have a bunch of you guys doing that, that people can come to and get it from and those kinds of things. Um, we do have the video, Sung Pung Jian, which should give you some help for that as long as you've got good partners too. All right. Um, the, uh, okay, so any thoughts, questions about that? Yeah, see, so it's my understanding that you probably really should have Pung going on all the time, even if you're doing a movement which is primarily another energy. Yes. Yeah, that's most of the time. There are energies where I would say Pung's not really a part of the equation for that. At the same time, most of the energies, and some people would say all of them, um, that there is Pung happening, that, that you've got Pung along with. Yeah, so okay. Kind of like rollback. Most energies are going to use, not everything again, but most are going to have some rollback component too. Most of the energies are going to have some on some of that up and down exchange going on as well. Again, so what you're saying is most energies actually have all have three of the energies. Yep. I don't okay. see most things as having a press in it all the time because press to me comes across as much more aimed application of pung. It's like a doubling down, if you were, and it's because of this squeeze action. And although there's usually some uh, press nearby that you can get, you know, that there's a place there where pretty where you can pretty instantly have press. That press is normal G. That normally um, press is not always happening with whatever the Jing is all the way through all the time. It is normally readily available to you, just like the, the rollback isn't necessarily being used all the time and yet it's available to you the vast majority of the time. Okay, but... But are you saying that... So I think I understood you to say that Pung is, is at least going on in the background all the time. Yeah, or, or the vast majority of the time. Not, all, not necessarily all the time. I would say there's some energies where that's not quite happening, but it's happening most of the time. Okay. And G and on, I mean, uh, G and, and Lou. No, Lou and on. Or, I'm sorry? Lou and on. Right, are also going on in the background? Um, Lou is almost always available to you in some vert in some way, right? It's a rollback in some way, okay. whether it be externally or internally. For on, on is about an exchange from up to down. Uh -huh. For me, on is it's very rare that on is happening. So okay, that's almost always there in some way. The press oh, is available, and the press is available, but it's not happening all the time. Okay. Usually the press is available. There are times when it's not, but but usually it's available to you somehow. 
Thank you. Uh-huh. And again, if you want to know more about that, Sung Fung Lu Jian at it's a it's it's a video that's available at clearmartialarts.com. Okay. Um, questions and comment, other questions and comments on or thoughts on any of what we've talked about there so far. I wanted to set the groundwork for what we're talking about with this because it, it really gets into that question of how should my elbows be held? How should my shoulders be held? How should my structure be positioned? How does this roundness and yet I'm aligned come into play at the same time? Because there's a lot of ways you could do that where you're not gonna have Pong and you're not gonna really have good access to those other energies either, other jings. Um, and there definitely are ways to do it that lend itself very heavily to you being able to use those things well and immediately. Because you can't be like, hold on while I get my act together if you're trying to use it at the moment. You know, nobody, they're not, the, an attacker is not going to wait on you to get your act together. It's got to be now. And so if I'm not sure if this is quite... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. That I'm not sure if this is quite the right time to bring this up or not, but since you started talking about exactly what you just said, uh, interacting with other people and all that, what I have noticed is that if I'm, if I'm really training Pung, you know, we tend to think more about um, the internal aspects when we're training, especially if we're training alone. But if I've turned on Pung, I really notice a big difference in, in my perception of my surroundings. You know, so I would think uh, it should be encouraged for people to, to practice Pung in order to interact with, you know, a training partner or an opponent. Yeah, I get that. Makes sense. Um... Yeah, if it's just like push it out there and forget about it, then you might be in Kung Li, but you definitely are probably, your, your chi is probably choked off right now. So there's no Pung Chi, happen, none, of, none of that level happening. Your mind is trying to take a vacation. Okay, I'm expanding out. I can kind of forget about this now. And then there's no Pung Jing happening for sure either. Um, yeah. The... Uh... We were going over a little bit of it last night, and what I found with a lot of the new people was the, you mentioned the shoulders and the elbows. If they have, the elbows are too high, they tend to engage the shoulders, and it almost creates like that double-weighted error where everything just shuts down. It is, it is. It's, it's very hard to. Yeah. yeah. And it's very yeah. what? No, it's uh, it's very hard for them to get to get anything as far as the the pung goes. You know, even with the pung lead, they're, they're still very weak, and you know, have to overcome the tension in the shoulders and the arms. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else? So pung chi. If you're tensing, then you're cutting off, even if you've got a good, big, round, expanded shape there. If you're tensing, then you're cutting off power to that shape, right? And if you're, and, and literally it can be tested where you're pushing in. And if you're just pushing, generally speaking, putting weight on it, it'll seem okay for the first, like the, the little minor pushes. But if you find a place where the tension has a, uh, a weak point, a uh, place where structurally it's not so good because the tension is cutting the energy flow like that, 
and you lay weight on that, it'll just give way. And it'll be, and I find a lot of people, when they think they've got that going on, they'll really be surprised by that. And it's like, well, you're putting so much weight on me. Well, that's not the problem because if you're doing a push-up position on the floor and, and, and you're not extended all the way, you're in the middle, kind of relaxed, you're holding up your body weight right now. And so if I'm trying to horizontally put body weight on you, now, yes, could, could one of our, me or one of the advanced ones of the folks on the call here, we could probably turn that up and make it so that there are multiples of our body weight being applied to you. But without going the extra distance like that, just our body weight for the average person, their body weight isn't going to ex normally exceed yours by enough to make a collapse in that position. And so the collapse is the, is the tension and you're just going to wear out and then you can't hold it anymore. And so it really is what is the expansiveness and that roundness and the good structure so that you can maintain that for a good while. Doesn't mean you won't get tired eventually, but, but you know, if it's right away, then either you need more practice in your stance, in your standing or your form, you know, or just some exercise, uh, because you're not, if it's, 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 it should be no more work than it is to get on the water and float, which is a little bit of work, even though you're relaxed in a certain kind of way. Um, but it isn't like wearing you out to do it for one minute normally, right? The, uh, like that. And so and if you're on the water floating and you tense up your whole body, watch what happens, you know, sinking. Um, if you're bent out of proportion, then you're not letting the energy flow to and through the pung because it can't do it. You've got what I like to think of as a water hose and you've kinked up the water hose and now the water doesn't flow there. And so being bent out of shape can be, and there's large ways to do it and small ways to do it and way more than I've been able to list here. So I've listed some, but this is not exhausted by any means, but it's at least it'll give some thought for it. So large, you can get obvious distortion or misalignment, uh, like your waist not being aligned and connected to the legs on in a good uh, lined up kind of ways, or that, that the butt kind of sticks out like a shelf a bit, or that there's a lean somewhere so that if there's pressure being put on, that just won't hold up structurally for what's being, for what's going on, right? And so the waist not aligned, not aligned or the upper body and the lower body not being connected in the and for good Tai Chi, you need the upper body and the lower body aligned in a way so that it's whole body power for everything you're doing and yet still relaxed. And Pong is a key element of how to get that when it's being done correctly, right? Also, if you have an arm or a leg very overextended or very, um, bent so that there's a sharp turn happening somewhere instead of having that roundness. There are small ways for Pung to be bent out of shape, including, again, not, not exhaustive here, having a collapse somewhere that feels comfortable, but, but that makes part of your body not functionally usable without having to load it up. If you have to load it up to make it good, um, like, grr, I'm now thinking and putting mind into, you know, intention and other things in there. That's not it. Um, this is a double-weighted error when you do that. The most common double-weighted error being when somebody puts that tension in there like that. You're, the double weight is the tension. It already had had some 
structural power put into it and then you put a bunch of tension in there and now you can't feel what's going on um in the in your in your own kong and or in the other person because there's too much tension blocking the stuff the uh the body should always be functional now without having to load it up so if i've got a fist position up for example uh and there are moves in the tai chi that have this the uh are they up there in a way so that if somebody was to find my fist right then that it's really powerful and loaded up, not because I loaded it up. Like if you go to hit, as soon as you move to do something and you're loading, this is incorrect for Tai Chi. It's that if I've got proper mechanics and proper Pong going on, if I touch them with that fist right where it's at, it should feel like they just got tagged. Like if you had a piece of metal and did it, bang, that sucks to be on the receiving end of. And yet you didn't add anything extra. You didn't have to because it's properly loaded already, right? Another, other small things that can happen that, that really affect the pung like that is small areas of tension that cut off flow through you. Uh, small areas of misalignment, such as having your shoulders lifted, that's gonna, that's gonna cut it right away. Having your elbows not sunk will cut it. Um, having your knees past your toes in position will cut it. Internally ping, not pung, not internally, not pung, or disconnected um, in different kinds of ways, right? And that, and with that, that will not support your weight or your power when you're trying to put it through. In other words, in other words as soon as you start putting weight or power through there, if it starts to collapse then your pung structure has an issue that you need to address to the pung at the lead level. Good questions, thoughts? Well, I'd just like to, to quickly add, because we we're talking about pong and is it underwater and, and you related it to, to swimming and, and how do I you know swim on the water? And, and I had to think about what, what I do when I swim um, because ordinarily it was, was just natural for me because I, you know, grew up swimming and being in the water and doing what right. I had a lifelong experience, so every everything just went. I didn't have to think about it, and I guess that that's what we're uh, aiming for with Tai Chi. That that everything is just there, and we do it naturally without having to think about it, which is, you know, what, what I'm working on. It. Once you own it, when you first start training, you, you really do, like if you start, when somebody first learns punk, they got to think about it a lot. Same thing when you're trying to float in the water. If you're not used to hitting your body to do that, then you've got to really train that up and put some thought and some time into what it requires to be able to do that. But then once you've got it going on a little bit, the object is to make that, that I don't have to go through 20 minutes of trying to figure out how to float. I just, oh, okay, I do this, and bang, now you're floating on top of the water. And then you keep doing it without thinking about it continually to stay on top. You just keep doing what you're doing to stay floating. Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's what I'm aiming for. And just maybe articulating it will help some other people sort of get used to it because I'd say that. But I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. When you're doing form, what happens is a lot of times you don't have good feedback. So you may think you're correct and it's really easy to be off. And so in our internal push hands, it's really obvious. I get people that they don't have pung or they're used to thinking that their tension is pung and they get into the internal push hands and just be immovable. 
right? And, and they feel like they got nothing. And it's like, well, you, you've got some body substance there and you got some tension there. You don't have pung there. That's why you're being moved so easily because, and if they, or if they feel mine or any one of the senior ones, any of you, they're feeling that expansive pressure coming out. And they're like, you're already moving. And I'm like, I'm not moving right now. And you can show that. And then what's going on? Well, I've got pung really going on. And so you're feeling that it's soft in a certain way. It's not like it's, I'm trying to shove them or something, but it's very off-putting in this expanding kind of a way um, because the pung is coming through. And so that, and so you've got immediate feedback on that as part of where I'm coming from here. And the same thing you do when you're trying to float on top of the water. You're either floating on top of the water or you're not. The feedback's immediate. The, uh, so again, Sung Pung Lu Jian, and that is available at clearmartialarts.com. And then we'll help to give you some better idea about exactly how to go about these things. And, and, the, and I've got them in the order there because you've got to have that right kind of softness and then that right kind of expansion to go with that softness, and then you're able to use these others, right? And then for the levels that we've been talking about, the Tai Chi Roadmap, TaiChiRoadmap.com. And, and I'm just, I keep telling you that because as we're going through, I, uh, in case you're just listening, that way you don't have to backtrack. And also we kind of keep hitting things that really tie into both of these. So I'm trying to make sure that you know where to get them. That's my job. And okay, um, good. Other thoughts, comments, questions? And now, a word from our sponsor. The internal power that comes at the higher levels of Tai Chi can seem mysterious, but that is mostly because Tai Chi students don't see the big picture yet. They don't even understand what the higher levels of the art are, much less have a plan to get there. Even though the senior masters mostly agree on what the steps are, they mostly don't talk about it. On the TaiChiRoadmap.com, I outline all of the steps of Tai Chi development. Everything is explained so you know what to do, when to do it, and why. This is the complete roadmap to Tai Chi mastery with an explanation of all the steps from rank beginner to senior master. Again, that is a free course that you can access online. Go to TaiChiRoadmap.com to sign up. That's TaiChiRoadmap.com. So Harry had sent me, Harry Leg here had sent me a um, question and he actually sent it to me about a month ago. And there was a video that had gone up where the guy was talking and it was a, uh, talking about the elbows, shoulders and the back. And uh, the guy that put it up is a good guy and he's got some good and valid points. Um, what I did find is that there were a few things missing and what it looked like to me is that he's exceptionally oriented in terms of what's going on with that. Why are some of the points that are being made being made the way that they're being made or why is the information, although good in some very specific kinds of ways and talking about some intelligent, smart things, there seemed to be some gaps. At least that's what I got when I watched it. And the gaps to me came, seemed to be that he was very oriented and focused on just what's in front of him as opposed to what's all the way around him. And so that's going to skew the way that if somebody's doing that and that's all they're thinking about, then that's going to skew the way they're thinking about the way the art is used. Now, a lot of people would say, but wait a minute, if there's an attacker, the attacker's in front of me. And my answer to that would be, 
you hope that's what's happening, but that may well be not not be what's happening right now. Maybe you were surprise attacked from the side or from behind, or they've grabbed you and they're positioning around you, and you'd better be able to deal with them where they are, especially if they're if they're doing it in a grappling kind of a way and they're not in front of you. If it was like, well, they're not in front of me, I'm screwed. Tai Chi handles the fact that the person might be wherever they're at around you. There's good stuff for that. And it does not have to be that they're just in front of you. And it really works. And really, this part of the study is to work for Tai Chi uh, and certainly for clear Tai Chi. The, uh, it is designed to work no matter where the person is at relative to you. That doesn't mean I don't want to get in front and so that I'm dealing with them in my most protected bestest way but i may not have that option you know and in fact in a fight um only with somebody that maybe you could have avoided without having to fight them at all then that's somebody maybe you're dealing with from the front everybody else they're not trying to attack you from a place that's your strongest bestest position they're trying to get you from a weaker position so it plays in anyway so that was one of the things um that caught my eye was that there was a lot of very forward orientation um in terms of that the other thing is, is that when people put together ideas about how things should go it's really easy to either be taught something and be taught on it enough that you just kind of take it all in hook line and sinker and you don't consider it or try to put tests against it to see how will it respond if this is being done or that is being done and it can be very simple tests that are non-threatening and non-harsh to the participants but where it's an honest check of how does this do when this is going on or that is going on or against this pressure or against that pressure or against that direction or this direction and those kind of things and we do a, a, a great amount of that in clear tai chi a function being a primary for us and a function in multiple ways and multiple positions in multiple directions and what about if the uh does it function well under a lot of different kinds of circumstances in the way that ideally Tai Chi does. So clear Tai Chi does this. Um, and most of the original styles from what I have seen do it as well. Um, it's just that there's uh, a lot of other Tai Chi where, where the, and especially if they'd only know a little bit about self-defense where there's this very strong right in front of you, sort of an obvious uh, orientation and then everything else, not so much. And that, that's, they can fix that. It's easy enough to do, get some study in. Um, and so it's not really a criticism as much as it is. is if you think the learning is over, uh, you're probably on the early side of beginning and have more work to do. This is just the way the art works. All right. So the statement that got made uh, there was that the elbows should not go behind the back. Right, and so uh, there was some discussion about the relationship of the elbow to the shoulder and what happens when the elbow is raised too high. And if the elbow is raised too high in a way it starts to kick the shoulder up, then that's a problem, right? That's, that means that the elbow is not sunk and the elbow is supposed to be sunk in Tai Chi and that the shoulders are raised and these things are gonna destroy Pong and, and all, um, basically all of your good alignment um, um, your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, your integrity, it's going to destroy your, take away your structural integrity. You just won't have it if those things are going on. So he's very right about that. Um, 
the uh, and the other and in the video that were put out there, the gentleman was looking at what happens when you bring the elbows too far. And I'm going to use his words because it's important because it could be easy. And I saw some folks kind of took the idea that that meant your elbows should never be behind you, which is going to be really incorrect for a lot of reasons. But he doesn't say behind you. He says too far behind you. And I'll say this is true for Tai Chi across the board. Too far in any direction is incorrect. Tai Chi is very spherical or should be in the way that it thinks things and does things. If you start getting an extended line, it really easily becomes an overextended line and that's not Tai Chi anymore or certainly it's, it's a really poor, not functional Tai Chi or bad Tai Chi, not, not, not proper Tai Chi. All right, so then <clears throat> the, uh, so in the video, he, he's primarily showing what happens when the elbows are too far back and how to recognize it and how to correct it. And like I said, the gentleman said some things that I really liked, that uh, one or two that I'll get into specifically. Um, yeah, some, like I said, one of the things would be that people would think that that meant don't bring your elbows back behind your body at all. And that's, that's inaccurate. There, there are times and moves where that is absolutely happening. It's just don't bring it too far. There's a, there's a right place and a right way to go about it, right? Um, so then here he asked me specifically about parry and punch and not bringing the elbow behind you for that. And then there's some various postures in the form of the elbows do come back behind you. And then, uh, push hands with examples such as using magnetic to bring somebody in. All right. So that's kind of what I had got from Harry. And so we'll try to address some of that. Um, so one of the things you want to look at is that there are moves where the elbows are behind you. Uh, specifically, uh, ones where they're behind you would be, think about um, if you're in single whip. Now, some people would say, well, it's out to the side and that you're at a, and a, you see this in Chen style and in Wu style where there's a 45 degree angle. And so in that case, they're both in, both the elbows are in front of you. Uh, you'll see some Yang style where it's a lot more of a, um, and actually I said both at 45, they're at a 90 to each other. So the, the, the gap in the middle. Um, in the, in the young, it's not 180, but it's probably closer to 145-ish a lot of times where you're out here, this kind of a thing. And so in that case, they would go, well, is the elbow integrity there? And it's a good question because in the, in the 90, it's a lot stronger in the elbow integrity like that and the, and the whole pong to the position. Uh, you've got snake creeps down where that arm's coming out behind you and then it stays out there even though you're coming up and underneath. And so you end up with that closer to that 145 again. You've got, depending on who and the style and all those things. Um, you've got um, double ram's fist is what I was always taught that it was called. Uh, you've got a lazy tie and coat in the Chen style. Uh, and then the move that either in some of the forms that either precedes that or directly follows that that immediately precedes it or directly follows it. You've got moves like it's a numbered move. I can never remember. I need to memorize what the name for the move is where your arms come up 
and your hands come past your neck and your elbows are coming from behind you and pressing out. And so that's one for them where the elbows are coming out like that. You've got, um, what else? Fan through the back in Yang style, I was originally taught where it was this way and it was on a 180 degree line, which puts that elbow on the back side of you like that you are turned sideways. So I guess they would be out to the sides as opposed to behind you. Uh, like I say, on the double Rams fist, it came in so that your elbows actually end up behind you. Think about standing in a horse stance like karate or like hungar or those kind of things where those elbows are back noticeably behind you when it comes through that positioning, right? Um, and my answer to this is your elbows should be as like for a position, especially a position where the elbows behind you. Where is the position at that has power and where power can be used and where are the positions where the power can't be used? And for Tai Chi, it's that it should be functional. And think about like a good cloud hands where you're really turning a little further there because you end up with, even if the elbow's in front of you, as you turn, you end up in a position where that elbow is, it's not behind you ever, but it's definitely pretty clearly out to the side, enough so that very easily it goes from a position of strength and function to being in a position where there's a lot of weakness there. And what does it involve? to have it strong. And so some of that is, does your, as you're moving based on your body position, did that shoulder raise? Did you, did the pung throughout your torso and into your legs stay really correct and, and not strained in an inappropriate way? Uh, not strained at all, but, but not in an inappropriate position and that kind of thing. Or did it go into a position of weakness or strain of some kind that, that then is like a, a leak energetically that's gonna cause it to be weak and, and, and that if somebody puts pressure on it, it's not gonna maintain, right? Um, all right, when we do uh, parry and punch, one of the things that you'll see is that as you're, let's take a brush knee. For brush knee, if, you're, if you had your elbow out in front and it was out here, there's a place there where there's a structural weakness at the bottom of the front arm that if it's gonna be right, that elbow is beside you and ever so slightly, it hasn't gone back past the back of my body, but it definitely is on the back quadrant. Of, if we take the front of your body, the inside of your body, the back of your body, that elbow is right up against the back quadrant of the body and the whole thing is rounded for good pung and with the elbow sunk and the shoulder, shoulder sunk. The, uh, and the question I would have for your testing of power is one of the things like the first one that it occurred to me that I told Harry is take and put two countertops, you know, get in between two countertops with it beside you and put your hands where your elbows are bent and your shoulders are ideally down so that because if your shoulders raise up, you can't support your body off of that very well. And lift your body up off the floor, feet up off the floor, pushing down on the counters. Where are your elbows at when you're doing that? What you're gonna see is they're behind you because if you put them in front of you, you can't come up off the floor or you're gonna strain yourself doing it. It won't hold your body up. So there's no pung in that downward aspect unless your elbows 
are behind you. Now, if they go too far, of course, that's too much. You're not going to be able to support and lift yourself off of that either. Right? So there's a right amount there that is hands beside your body through the length of you, but your elbows are actually behind you. And that's your power that way. So if I'm, uh, let's say that on a, on a fighting thing that somebody brought a punch in, you brought them down, they decided to try to tackle you at their knees. If you bend over to put your body weight through them, you'll be pushing on them, but it'll be weak. It'll be either the hand, the wrist, the arm, maybe through to your elbow, maybe even as far as your shoulder, your body weight won't be on them. And so as long as they're kind of in there and strong, um, they're really not going to feel you very much. And even if you're hitting them with that, it's just going to have this hollow weakness to it, for lack of a better way to say it. If you keep that alignment straight up and down, your elbow would be behind you. But when you sink, you'll put your whole body weight through their position. And what I found is that most people can't hold on. They end up sprawled across the floor or they feel like you're putting a ton of weight on them because it's whatever you weigh pressing down through that contact point in their body. But your elbow is behind you like this in order to do that. The, uh, let's see here. All right. So any thoughts, questions, anything else coming from that? And I've got other stuff for you here, but I want to make sure I've given you guys time to weigh in before I get into another aspect of it. Harry? No, just thank you for covering the topic. No questions at this point. Any thoughts, anything? Yep. Okay. Part of what's going on in moves like um, Golden Cock stands on one leg is that that other hand is in that position where the hand is beside your waist and that elbow is back behind you a little bit. If you bring it forward from that, that's not a bad forward defensive position. You better have that elbow good and sunk in the shoulder too but it's a pretty weak anything back through here. And ideally it's that I'm covered on that up and down. If we're looking at a move like um, repulse the monkey, same thing. You're turning that elbows towards the side, but it's on the side towards the back. And there's a place there where it's got strength and integrity and a lot of other places where it really mostly doesn't. Um, like that. And so you can kind of see it in that move for ours, which is the uh, monkey retreats, then it, it really is a movement where there's an awful lot of things happening behind you because maybe they grabbed you from behind and, and Tai Chi absolutely addresses that. And you're not going to do that by keeping your elbows in front of your body. Right. So hopefully that's that one's a, more of an obvious. Um, all right. So a different aspect is one of one that the gentleman talks about on his video there, and it's an important one, is that if you put your elbows behind you, your chest comes out and your back hollows in a way that is improper to Tai Chi. Because in the classics, it talks about the back being rounded and the front being hollow and this kind of thing. Now, there's two things there. The first one is, is that ideally you can expand your front and hollow your back and you can hollow your back. I'm sorry, you can expand your back and hollow your front. And a lot of times for Tai Chi application, it is the expand the back, hollow the front. 
in different kinds of ways, depending on what you're doing. Uh, and the different moves do it in different ways. The, uh, for a lot of application though, and this is what he's talking about, if you put your elbows behind you and your chest comes out and your back hollows away, it hollows, that that is normally going to be improper to Tai Chi. So that if I'm trying to get action to happen in front of me, and he doesn't say that that way, but I'm telling you that's the orientation that he's using, that's why he's coming across like that. Then ideally I'm not expanding my chest as I'm trying to do something to the front. So I bring these back, the chest is expanded. Um, it's that I've got that hollowness there and it's a proper kind of a hollowness. Uh, and unfortunately the words aren't gonna convey it very well. Uh, the, uh, well, all right. So what happens is if you bring your hands back, your chest starts to expand. Let's say I'm pulling them in. You may actually want that where you've got some expansion that way. So this is one of those that can be taken out of context where it should always be hollow no matter what. And I would say that on itself is wrong. Is it, It's hollow a lot. The back is raised. That's how they kind of talk. That's sort of the translation of it. And full a lot is it. But Tai Chi is dynamic and moving. And so even though it's that way a lot, it is not that way like locked rigidly into place. This would be incorrect. Uh, there isn't, there's very little about Tai Chi that is rigidly locked into place. Some people would say none of, none of it is that. All right. So then, um, so then how do I bring my, if I needed my chest hollow for application in front of me, let's say that I've got somebody on a, um, there's a move there for, what's the name of it? Um, grass grass sparrow's tail, or um, it's probably the most common move that a lot of people have for their basic standard um, push hands. When they do fixed push hands, they've got the one that's that's here. Uh, what's the name of that? I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's basically a pung, a, a, a G, like a, like a pung, pung lu G on kind of a movement there. And it's like grass, grass swallow's tail, or anyways, um, it's one of the most common ones that everybody in at least young style tends to do um, for their fixed push hand stuff. Yeah, we it, would would call that grass the bird's tail. Grass the bird's tail, yeah. Um, anyways, and then if you feel that and look at that and put your hand on there, you'll find that your chest has got that slight hollow and the back's got the roundness to it, right? Except that when you... Um, except that in the part where you are gathering for that, when you're starting to come into that movement, where it's down like this. So again, the mo way most people do it, there's sort of a drop here. We call that uh, stroke the horse's mane. That's what I was originally taught from it from the old 108 Yang style. The, uh, and it's in R48 for clear Tai Chi like that it comes in here and then gathers around and comes out well when it's coming here that elbow's coming back behind you right and so and the same thing with double ram's fist the elbows are coming back behind you and yet there's an application for things happening out here in front of you so how are you getting that chest to hollow because if you bring your hands straight back and in it does what the man said and it expands your chest and hollows your back in an inappropriate way 
right? And same thing here, if I come this way and I'm not mindful of my stuff, it becomes this inappropriate action. So how do you get your elbows behind you? Because what he said was anytime you pull your elbows behind you, the chest expands, the back hollows, but it's not true. It was a mistake on his part and a, and a mistake based on orientation of everything in two-dimensional kinds of ways instead of in true three-dimensional kinds of ways. So how do you pull your elbows behind you? I'm kind of posing the question to you guys to give you some interaction here too. And get your chest to hollow and your back to be full. What do you have to do? Because when you pull them back straight and tight, your chest expands, your back hollows, which is an error in the way he was talking about it was that, yeah, this is, this, he, he said it does it every time, but I'm telling you, it doesn't do it every time. It does it if you're moving incorrectly every time, of course. And so how do you move correctly so that that doesn't happen? That you're, that, that you're, how do you move with your elbows going behind you so that your chest will hollow and your back will round in the way that it's supposed to for proper Tai Chi? I, I think you can get that if you rotate your spine. How? So we're here and then we're here. And so I, my hollow, my chest. Oh, you're saying that you're turning to the side. No, I'm saying actually getting your elbows to go behind you. Like, like the move, um, like a uh, double ram's fist. Oh, okay. That, that I don't. Some other people call double ram's fist by other names. And there's one in chin where there's a hand up and where they come back and around. And then one hand is towards about chest height. And the other one is up at head height. And it's, I think it's Tiger Returns to Mountain or something. Anyways, it's one of the other moves. Yeah. Do you think about your body moving forward more so than your hands, elbows oh, moving I pull back? back? I can think about that. And what I find is that's going to make my chest expand more if I'm thinking mm -hmm. about moving forward. You see, Phil, yeah. is, it, is it how the, the shoulder itself rotates? Because the shoulder can stay forward, which helps keep that, that emptiness and, yep. and the elbow can go back while the shoulder stays forward. I would say you're not wrong, except you feel that tension that it puts in your chest when you do that. And so yeah. you should really do it without that hat while keeping good palm, good alignment, but without that extra tension creeping in there like that. Harry? I think you add a drop to it. Because if I do this, I'm up and that's wrong. But if yep. I do this, here's a drop. And this is now relaxed versus this. The drop is going to help, but it's not what's going to solve it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you guys what's gonna solve it. If you came back very linear, very straight, you're just either gonna be expanding the chest, hollowing the back, like you said, or you're gonna be adding in a bunch of tension in order to have that not happen. What you do and like what happens in the move like double Rams fist is you've got the spiral coming through the arms on the end. And as you come back, the move Watch my elbows. It's not this where they're coming straight back. They're rounding the whole time and they go out. So think about picking up a bag and looking inside of it with your elbows coming back behind you. Keep your shoulders down. And what you'll find is that your chest wants to hollow and your back wants to round. And it's because your elbows fan out behind you, even though they're coming back there. So if you try to keep them in tight, that'll be a problem. That's going to add in tension or cause your chest to expand. You take the elbows and you let it come out to the side. Notice it's got that tongue shape on there. Now I've got the hollowing this way and my back is getting rounded and expanded. 
in the action. Does that make sense? Yes. So it has, yeah. you're pulling somebody in, thinking about pulling them into you. Maybe you are expanding your chest to meet them. Um, if you were trying to bring them in and then going to like roll it over and look at that action there as they, as your elbows fan out, you're, you're now doing this other thing. And so when you're looking at a movement like this one, there's the expansion in chest. If you came into here now there's the hollow in the chest, you know, the closer one like Chen and Wu style do. If you wanted the chest to be expanded here, that sink is absolutely part of it. And then the other thing is, is that even though I've got it out there, I don't hold it quite so rigidly behind me because that's an expansion across here. It's that I'm letting it open and not to the point of being out of position, but it's, it's got to open at the shoulder. It's got to open at the distance to my body. It's got to be, it's a little bit bigger because that's letting then my body stay here where I'm not getting that extra expansion in the chest. In, a, in an inappropriate way. Um, for, yeah, for the line. All right, so then. Sifu, I was uh, tempted to say something about sinking like Harry, but I think that um, it's it's got to do with the whole body connectedness. Like if you're really staying connected and you've got your ankles up, you know, with your, all the way to your heels or to your, to your ankle, your ankle all the way to your wrist, sorry. Then you're gonna get that like, as you've described it, uh, by keeping the whole body connectedness, yeah. you know, it's because it's like, I was just sitting here playing with it. Sinking felt like, you know, that was going to get it. But I think it's because of that, the whole body connected. Because uh, of what you got it aligned. Yeah. Uh, and they're and yeah. the sink is helping to take out extra tension because the extra tension is going to make it want to bow out more inappropriately, as opposed to it being a natural pung expression everywhere. And so the pung is a little tough when somebody's working on the one where the back is rounded like that and the front is hollow because it's an outward going expansion everywhere. But then um, if you look at one like where the arm's out in front of you and you're making the big circle, the, the holding the ball shape, then the front is hollowed and the back is rounded like that. And it has to do with that distance even there because if you did it and let your elbows sink and brought them in too much, you'll find that you can easily enough add in an inappropriate tension into your chest area. You sink, these come out just a little bit more, about a hand distance on each side, actually. And then you start getting that hollowness in here, and then you sink in the waist for that whole body connection, and you'll find that the top went softer and rounder and all that stuff. So, yeah, you guys are on the right kind of ideas here. Good. If you want to know more about all of this in terms of functional use, um, for just learning the, those principles of Sung, Pung, Lu, Ji, and On, go to clearmartialarts.com. Then we've got a video there uh, for sale that is that. And then for the levels that we're talking about, that's the Tai Chi Roadmap, the Tai Chi Roadmap.com. Um, for parrying punch, a lot of times you'll get fist under elbow and fist under elbow. Then that parry, the way I was originally taught it, it circles underneath the hip there. And so this is way back behind you, right? And then like that, and then here comes the parry coming forward. Well, what's interesting there is that if I kept that hand forward and didn't circle underneath, there's a tension first and then it goes empty and weak right behind it. 
and then it starts to gain some strength in here. And so it's this way with the sink. And then that is not held hugging close to your body. It's out there a little bit so that there's the pung this way. There, and, and if you just stand there and fan those out a little bit, think like a bird action this way, you know, for, for the, your elbows or wings and let it fan out a little bit, then there's a place there where you have pong integrity throughout and you've got the hollow chest and the back is rounded and expanding. And so that would be the one I would use more if I was coming to that with the punch. So the punch has come here. I would say that elbow is out to the side of me more than it is behind me. In other words, it's not that I'm doing this and my elbow is pulled back like karate. It's that I'm turned, I'm turned here. Let me do this move correctly. I'm turned here so that notice you can see that that line across me and this elbow back behind me. And so it's much more this way. Um, to give you an idea, here I'm turning so that my orientation is this way. So a lot of people would do the move like they're going to move to do their parry and punch or the movement here in front of them. And what they would do is everything is oriented to that. And with that, they ended up with the elbow behind them because of this forward orientation, which then gets that expansion in the chest inappropriately. So instead, Think like you're fanned to the back too. It's not that you fan to the back and you ended up looking like um, your chest straight on to the person and your arms are off to the sides. It's that your whole body torso has some of this turn as well. And so from here, you go, where's this at? And it's got much more of a cloud hands in terms of position to the rest of me orientation. This is probably the most anybody's ever seen me talk about alignment for a more public thing in forever because I don't tend to do it because the beginners tend to, their eyes cross and then they leave and don't come back. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so we get into it later and we build into it. In our system, we start with basics <coughs> and simple movement stuff. And then the energy and, and things that are interesting and fun and help you to get some skills and then we kind of come back and start nitpicking quite a bit more on some of the nuanced aspects of posture and all of that. Only because when you do that for beginners and they're not ready for it, what I've found is that people quit. They just, they, 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 they don't like it. It's, it's too much, too fast in too nuanced, little intricate ways that, that seems nitpicky um, if they're getting that really early in their training and they're really trying to work on the bigger, the bigger stuff for lack of a better way to put it. And by bigger, I mean like the actual shape of the move in its simplest form that they can pick up on fairly readily in a class with other people. They keep training and there comes a point where it changes over and now they're just glad to have those um, little intricate details because it really makes a difference. But for a beginner, it doesn't. It just makes it hard for them to do it. Anyways, um, Yeah, when you bring your arms out, I've got here that your chest hollows and your back expands. The other one is, is that, and not all the Tai Chi forms have it, but if you look at um, carry the cauldron and carry the cauldron, your elbows come back 
from the sides, both sides, and my elbows right now are beside me. And now they're both slightly behind me. And from here, I'm looking for where do I have equal front, back, and side, and up and down power, pung in the whole dimension. If you come to the front, you're strong to the front, but your back is like got nothing. You come back here and you're coming underneath where your elbows are actually slightly further back behind you and coming in and around your kidneys like that. And then again, on that rotation of the arms, there's power all the way through. And then when you're lifting and coming underneath, you know, the heavier the thing is, the closer you're gonna to wanna to be to your body like that. And so then that's gonna, but notice I didn't come in here with this being super narrow. I came out with my arms kind of, think about holding the baby. You don't think about your elbows being squeezed to your body. You think about your elbows being out there in that rounded pung shape of roundness. Um, all right. Proper work in clear Tai Chi, which is what I was starting to talk about there briefly, is to feel the ting, to feel, to ting, the shape and the power you want and need to test it, of course, and to do the proper work to get the shape and power that you want and that it's in every aspect of the position not just in front of you or, or in some other way, it's that you're looking for it in the whole thing. And so in clear Tai Chi, when we're getting into this kind of a thing, that is emphasized. Um, and then because, of, because I didn't want to necessarily get into it in a whole lot more depth, time considerations and all, um, I really wanted to just kind of hit the point of the question and, and get to um, you know, what we were after there. And so I, think we hit that, but I'm definitely open to questions and that and answers and that kind of thing. So again, one more time, a word from our sponsor. If you want to know more about Sung, Pung, Lu, Ji, and On, go to clearmartialarts.com. We've got a video there for you. Uh, and then the uh, Tai Chi roadmap, if you want to know about the levels and the Li and the Chi and the Yi and the Jing and the, and the Shen, that kind of thing, it goes into some good bit of detail about that. And that is the Tai Chi Roadmap.com. And not with the word done in it, it's Tai Chi Roadmap.com. Okay. Um, any other thoughts, questions, comments, um, concerns? Um, I would just say that I'm really grateful that we had this subject today and that it's been very informative. And I. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Harry. Um, but just that in any time that you're talking about one specific detail in Tai Chi, um, you know, go back and remember the whole, the whole body, the whole, you know, not just the body, the whole <laughs> everything. Um, because if you just focus, it's kind of artificial to sort of focus just on one thing because it, it does have to have that whole integral aspect for it to be correct. It was a good topic, Harry. Just I was thinking about this the other day with, you know, the, the energy around me and the plumbing. Roundedness, so it helped. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, it, it came from just uh, seeing what some other people were posting. Uh, one one guy in particular, who's a really super cool dude, um, and very polite. Not one of the people on social media being all crazy. Um, anyway, but when he posted this, it just made me ask, uh, you know, a few questions. So, yeah, well, it's very timely and good. No, so, yeah, so this was really interesting to me because I, I trained in Shotokan mm. when I was in college. 
And there, there's a big emphasis on keeping your elbow really close to the body. And you really never have to let your elbow come out in the punch is just wrong in Shotokan. But this is a totally different arena. And it's a place where, where if the elbows don't come out, it's wrong. So it, it's just, I, that was very cool. It's just uh, something, just something I hadn't dealt with before. So. Sure. Well, I had yeah. a, a little, during this, I had a very quick private text with uh, Chris Walsh because uh, Chris uh, used to be one of my instructors at another school that uh, we were both at. And we had a Kung Fu form where we would do this. And I'm like, whoa, man. What? But of course it wasn't Tai Chi. And then Chris uh, very properly pointed out what that did do for us, though, was the physical conditioning of giving us a greater range of motion than uh-huh. we wouldn't have had otherwise. And I'm like, well, yes, of course. Good, good reason for some of that training as well. So, so, uh, so yeah, so the whole thing is meant to be done in 360 degrees. With that, when we talk about there being 75 applications, if you only had in front of you stuff going on, you can cut out half those applications right now because certainly half of them are between the side and behind you, other kinds of body aspects and that it really happens in the 360 and for all kinds of different heights and ranges and distances and and kind of everything from grabbing to hitting to kicking to you know the, any whatever they're trying to do to you. Um, and then responses to that, that really the shapes are designed when you have the full context of it to, to deal with that wide range of circumstances out of the individual moves. It was Tai Chi was very well thought out this way um, and is very um, uh, PhD level kind of martial thought and martial application. Um, the uh, Anyway, so full body head to toe hung and so that you get the whole aspect again in that 360 all the way around you anyways all right um i think that's what i had for you guys today again uh the word from our sponsor sung pung mujian clearmartialarts.com the tai chi roadmap at tai chi roadmap.com and check those out and thank you for watching and everybody for participating and um, look forward to more next time here in a couple weeks from the date of our filming this, we're having our clear Tai Chi gathering, which is a once a year, uh, program. The one we're getting ready to do is our first one. And the, uh, that is at Tai Chi gathering.com. And we're having, we'll have it each year towards the first weekend in June. And if you haven't checked that out or unaware of that, check that out. And, um, that would be a good one to come to live. And a lot of the folks that you're seeing here on the, I've been listening to, if you've been watching our podcast or teachers at that event, and we'll be teaching there. And so you get to see them all live for, for real and all that good stuff. So, all right. Um, cool. Anybody, anything else before we go? Uh, I had, I had some questions for after if we can. So that have to do with this or something else? Something else. Oh, okay. Right. And so everybody stay on for a minute after anyways, but, um, yep. Any other. Good discussion. Very helpful. Oh, thank you. Hopefully, hopefully it's useful and people can get some things out of it and all that good deal. All right, guys and lady, um, more next time and have a great week. If I don't see you or talk to you before 
And now, a word from our sponsor. For those of you who are interested in internal power and want a reliable place to start, and for anyone who wants to experience internal power for themselves, go to internalpowerguide.com. I built a crash course in hands-on internal power. The Practical Guide to Internal Power is a work-at-your-own-pace online program. It is the course I use to get students from 0 to 60 as quickly as possible. And it is totally free. So sign up at internalpowerguide.com now and get started right away. That's internalpowerguide.com.